It's the right time for Western Oklahoma. It is uh, Todd filling in for Harold and Mustafa with the right time for Western Oklahoma. And I'd like to welcome in a fellow graduate of Cordell High School, Mr. Ronnie Fleming. Hey, how are you, Ronnie? I'm perfect. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. I'm not not reticent to, to appear before you. Nah, no, I appreciate it. Well, it's uh, we were just chatting about to Cordell. Now, you are the Regional Director of Flight Operations for Air Evacuator, retired uh, Navy pilot, primarily helicopters, so that fits in well with uh, AeroFact. How long have you been flying? Uh, 26 years in the Navy, about, about 4,000 hours, and then, gosh... I haven't flown for AeroVac for for seven years, but uh, so a good portion of my adult life. How about that? That is Put that is that awesome. Yeah. And now you kind of train the new pilots and stuff like that, or well, this is uh, what I'm doing in the high schools is uh, is is more of a um, uh, a topical look at aviation to get a, get their interest in it because, um, like we were discussing earlier, it's a huge business in our state. Uh, number two. In the state, uh, billions of dollars, and uh, and there's a the reason I got involved with it is there's just a huge need for pilots right now across all all the uh, disciplines. Doesn't matter what it is, from ag to to uh, to heavy lift to the FedExes, the UPSs, to the airlines. Everybody needs pilots right now. I think uh, the, uh, as up at American Airlines uh, this past spring. Uh, taking some students up there, we got a brief from American Airlines Stadium. Their thoughts were uh, fourteen thousand pilots for the next ten years is what the airlines are going to need wow. alone. Alone, just the airlines. That does not include. Uh, so that's that's commercial air. Then you got general aviation, or the that's the FedExes and that that kind of stuff, and UPS is Atlas, and. It doesn't even touch what what there's. It's a huge explosion in aviation. It's massive. Well, and I was going to ask, has the need just grown or are less people going into it? Because it used to be that, I, I, you know, for commercial aviation, they used to be able to pick and choose pilots now. But I've heard about the shortage for several years now. Oh, they used to be. Yeah, they used to. Well, like all the airlines, you, you had to have a, a degree. Yeah. It's pretty much like becoming an officer in the, in, in the military, the Navy specifically, and you needed to have a college degree. Now they waved off that. Now uh, the hour requirements are, have been lowered. I, I wouldn't want people to be afraid of that. I thought the hour <laughs> requirements were pretty high. You get somebody that has fifteen hundred hours in the air. That's a that's a long time flying, and they've pretty much seen everything. So I feel very confident in flying with a fifteen hundred hour pilot, five hundred hour pilot. To wow. a good grief, we went across the beach in the Navy a couple hundred hours, you know, each so <laughs> uh, leading leading uh, formations. So. It, yeah, it's it's good to have more hours. It certainly is, but there's a there's a point where somebody's can more is more than capable of flying a bunch of passengers. Absolutely. Well, it's a great career to get into. Uh, once again, you you got to to see uh, all over the world. Obviously, in your career, of course, you were also an Air Force brat before that, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, you remember that? Yeah, I grew up in the Air Force. Yeah, sure did. Went in the Navy because you could grow beards. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Well, my uncle was in the Air Force. Another uncle was in the Navy. My dad was in the Army as well. Of course, he only got to see Iceland, so that wasn't very exciting for him. Yeah, Keflavec, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
That is awesome. Well, Roddy, one of the things that uh, when you've talked about with Harold before and when we were chatting yesterday on the phone, uh, you've got a lot of interesting information about uh, the economy and with regards to the national debt. Because, you know, we hear about the national debt all the time, and we probably hear it ad nauseum that uh, people just think, oh, it's just a number. You can't even fathom how much trillions of dollars. What is the national debt right now? I I, I, I think, believe it's thirty-three trillion. Wow! I, I believe that's that's what it is. Um, yeah, my interest in it really was peaked in the in the Pentagon. I did two tours in the Pentagon, and you'd sit in budget briefings, and people would talk about uh, something being so small amount that it was eraser dust. <laughs> Eraser dust. So think about that. But that eraser dust was millions of dollars. Yeah. Millions of dollars. And I used to think, gosh, a million dollars. Could, what would, if, I, if I made a million dollars a year, would I, could I spend that even? I mean, I, I, I guess I probably could. Now, but not with my lifestyle, my taste. I don't think I really could spend a million dollars a year. So I just wanted to put it in perspective. So, so the idea or the concept of what a trillion dollars is. And recently, in the beginning of the summer, we increased our national debt by... One trillion dollars in one month. That's unbelievable. One month. So a, a trillion dollars. I just want to give you an idea of it. If you were to break it down into a, a, a day, that, so, is that a thousand billion or a hundred? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah a, a, thousand a thousand billion. billion. It's, right. it's a one with twelve zeros after it. Okay, so <laughs> wow. think about it like that. So in my mind, I want to put things in. I got to wrap my brain around it. So I'm like, okay, well, how much is that? So here's here's the deal, and this is kind of a if, if, if we can say this is a fun way to look at it, a, a trillion dollars, and we were to break it into time, how much that is at a time, we divide it by 30 in a month. So they say this is $1 trillion in one month. So that's $33 billion a day. Gosh. Okay. So now let's make it into an hour. And so now you're uh, $1.3 billion an hour. And I think if that's you weird, to, that's my if, hourly rate. If you wanted here. to break it down into <laughs> seconds, I think it comes out to about I, it's it's three hundred fifty thousand dollars a second. I believe it's kind of it's, it's around there. Just somebody's at home right now checking my math, but it's a pretty easy thing to do. So one trillion divided by thirty divided by twenty four divided by thirty six hundred because there's thirty six hundred hour uh, seconds in an hour, and, that, and that'll get you the figure per second. Every beat of your heart, that's that much. Here's another way to look at it. Yeah. We all go back and forth to the city, yeah. right? We all do. It's about, I think I see a sign somewhere, and I was around Yukon, says 64 miles to Weatherford. If you took $1,000 bills and stacked them high and then yeah. laid it over, okay, so you're going along I-40 east, and you had these stacked beside you going, it's, it's 67 miles of $1,000 bills. Gosh, that's crazy. $1,000 uh, a, a, a and most people don't see a thousand dollar bill. Oh no, no, I've never seen a one thousand dollar bill stacked four inches high as a millionaire. So, gosh. I, anyway, just interesting ways to look at things. And but I, mine is more of just an awareness. We, we gotta, we gotta quit thinking eraser dust. And and we all depend upon what doesn't matter what what side you lean as far as politically. But people are writing a bunch of checks their butt can't cash up in D.C. And we, we really got to get a grip on that. Yeah. And the funny thing is, each administration always blames the one before. But each administration, no matter what party, adds to the debt. Now, sometimes the priorities are different, whether it's social spending, military spending, whatever. But at the end of the day, we're spending money that we don't have. Right. We So the 
the government brings in revenue in the form of taxes and some yeah. other things. They sell some things and all that. They have different ways of making money, predominantly taxes. Yeah. So the, really the way is it, you bring in this amount of taxes. Anything that you spend above, that's a deficit. Yeah. Okay. Well, where are they getting that deficit spending? They don't go out and print more money. Yeah. So that's come from the Treasury in some way. So it's a very it's very inflationary, and it's also – it's – the government's an inefficient business partner. They're not somebody you want to go into business with. And so yeah. for the government to spend more money than it's bringing in, it has to do that through. I don't you know. T-bills is a way to do it. There's a couple other ways to do it. Um, selling. But debt. we do technically print more money now. And that's what's destroying the dollar in many other places, so right? I, yeah, it's just a, uh, there's so many needs out there. But at some point, we got to go, well... Probably not a federal function. That could be a state function. That could be a yeah. county function. That could be a local function. I'm, I, people need well. There are folks show up and, and need welfare of some sort. It happens to us all. Yeah. But it ought to be local. Federal government, in my opinion, this is yeah. Ronnie Fleming's opinion. <laughs> the federal government has no business in the welfare department, in, in my opinion. But or at least temporary, they should be. But not. Golly, it's ridiculous. Well, you know, the government was founded. Uh, to be more in the hands of people. I talked about this yesterday. We're supposed to have citizen legislators, right, that just went up for a couple of months and did the people's business. Now it's a full-time job, and then they have staffs of hundreds in some cases, and they're the ones that are doing the real work, and sometimes the guys up there can barely eat a cup of oatmeal without dribbling all over themselves because they've been up there too long. Yeah, it becomes very institutionalized. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But what do we do about debt? Because you know, we hear all the time, okay, we need somebody with business experience to to run the government. And, you know, obviously, when you're in business, yeah, sometimes you have to take out a loan to finish a project. But your goal is when you finish that project, you've made enough prof, profit to, to pay your bills and, and pay off the loan. But we don't do that in government. But then I've heard people on the other side say, well, you can't run government like a business. It's not that easy because the, the government is here to serve people and to help those uh, less fortunate. But at the end of the day, we do more than just help those less fortunate. I mean, we help, you know, other countries that don't necessarily need our help in some cases, some that do. And we just keep growing the welfare state. Yes, there are entitlements, and I understand that we've paid into Social Security. You don't want to stop that. But I've heard some people say the only way that you can stop the debt is by cutting entitlements like Social Security and Medicare. But then you're never going to win election if you say you're going to have to do that. Yeah, that's that. I would have to say that probably be a non-starter. There are certain uh, certain things that are in place right now that. Uh, would require law to change them. Uh, uh, so the, the the federal, the government, the president, in particular signs of the the budget every year, and he he or she has at their disposal something called the discretionary spending line, and it represents about twenty percent of the debt of or or the budget, and that yeah. and in that twenty percent is a big one, defense, yeah. and that's generally about. We'll just call it seven hundred billion. Is generally, there's a couple of other things in there. The farm bill. There's all kinds of things that are in that discretionary spending line. So um, that's about the only place a president can go in and just line item cut something out yeah. without a law. And you're not going to change the social security laws, the welfare laws, the things. And I don't know that we sh- should. It 
it, it's all the other things that we that we do that really really add to that because what we bring in in revenue and what we spend would work. It's all the extra stuff that just becomes oh my gosh, wars happen. Okay, yeah, they certainly do. Regrettably, and we have to be involved in it. We have to be involved in foreign policy. It's easier to make friends with a country than go to war with them, certainly. Yeah. Uh, uh, Turkey's a great, uh, comes to mind with that one. We, we've, we train Turkish pilots and the Navy did and, and the Air Force does. And we, we have programs where we uh, train foreign officers, uh, police officers in our programs. And they go back to their countries and, and you know, we have goodwill through that. And that's an ex- those are expensive programs, but they're worthwhile in the day, in the end of the day in that we're not at war with those countries that we do those kinds of things with. Generally, we're not. So <laughs> there are times when it doesn't work for us. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it really I just wish at some point people would just stand up and just say, hey, th- th- when I say people, I'm talking to those in Congress and say, hey, we recognize that we're spending too much. Yeah. Help us. But they, they, in my opinion, they don't seem to. It just becomes this, we, the citizens, are this giant cash cow. And they can, and this concept of this idea that, well, people are making too much money, so we're just going to tax the fire out of them. I don't know. if Right now, I mean, if you, if you, you started your own business and you worked hard at it and you, yeah. and you made, you made something of it and you employed people. And let's just say right now that you, you made a million dollars a month. Well, is it my business to tell you that that's too much money? Yeah. No, it's not. It's not the federal government's business. Right. Not. So that's that's where I – people make a lot of money. Well, you know, they should. They worked hard for it. And really the federal government has no business in that. Yeah, but that's what in we hear. Opinion. That's what we hear, for example, from the Biden administration and others before it have said, well, uh, we have to raise more revenue. It's not that we're spending too much and we need to cut spending. We need to raise more because we need the rich to – Pay their fair share, but yet if you look at who pays 52% of the taxes, it's the 5% of the most wealthiest people in the country are already paying the biggest share. There are some buzzwords out there, buzz phrases, and you just mentioned one that's out there that just sells really, you know, the rich get richer, the poor get poor, all those kind of things that you hear, and they're just really not true. Yeah. Not true. Uh, in the way that they're used, and I would offer up almost every member of Congress as that on both aisles. So those that make that comment, it's it's fascinating that they show up into Congress, not all that wealthy, but they after multiple terms, they leave wealthy. And I'm not quite sure how that happens. Yeah, how does that happen, how on, does that on, happen? on their salary? Well, I've always proposed a flat tax and a fair tax, okay? And... I think that everybody has to have skin in the game. And I don't care if you make $5,000 a year or if you make $5 billion a year. To me, we tithe, most of us, 10%. Tithe 10% to the government. 10% should be enough, but everybody should pay. Okay, It doesn't mean that there can't still be some handouts for less fortunate people, but let's start with... Well, 10% of that is going back to the government. But somebody said even if we did that, it wouldn't fund uh, all the spending of the government right uh, now. Yeah, well, I'd have to crunch the numbers on yeah. that. And I'm not, but that would be a fascinating one. I, I, I like – I'm a – and I've thrown out that figure, too. 10%. Everyone paid 10%. We could probably pave the streets in gold. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Uh, here's one. 
everyone pays 10%. There's no filing income taxes at the end of the year. Yeah, you there's no with, loopholes, no deductions. Yeah, away with it. Why do you need it? Everyone pays 10%. Yeah. It comes off your... Yeah, it's too simple, but people poo-poo it. And why? Because it's part of the bureaucracy, which grows and grows. Unelected people in Washington, who has the highest per capita income in the states, Northern Virginia, right? (laughs) Yeah, that is that is a fact. And that what you just said right there. we, We elect officials to go in there, but we and they but they leave. Yeah, some of them, and but we have full time folks up there that are and they're. They're really running a lot more than we think. Non-elected, yeah. unelected officials are in positions of of running our government, and that's not how our Constitution was designed. That's right. And when people talk about the deep state, you know, some people see that exactly. as this job. But that's really what the deep state is. 100%. It's unelected bureaucrats that don't care who the president is or what party. It doesn't matter. They have an agenda for their department. I couldn't agree with you more. When I the the eight years I was in D.C., it, it was sort of the the norm that when you had a new new now this wasn't people in uniform like yeah. me, but people that are this institutionalized governing body that if a president came in that was not of their ilk, then you, they just adopted a well. Let's just wait this out four years <laughs> and and slow rolled things. And I, I can promise you. That that occurs. I can promise you that occurs. Well, and and we started this conversation, by the way, Ronnie Fleming is uh, joining us. We're talking about the national debt and why the concept of trillions of dollars doesn't even hit home. Uh, for people, but it happens when you talk about millions of, of dollars too, and not just at the federal level, the state and the local level. Okay, and and once again, I, I'm I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. Okay, I'm not trying to criticize the city of Weatherford, but you know they extended a sales tax a few years ago, and they said we're going to spend seven point five or eight million dollars to build a new police station, right. Justice Center. So they start building it probably right about the time COVID happened and stuff like that, supply chain issues. But now they're like, well, it's actually going to cost $13.5 million. Now, that blows my mind that it, it's not a 10% increase, a 20% increase. It's about a 45% increase from the original estimates. I mean, I would fire anybody that had anything to do with that. And and I I'm, I'm think it's going to be awesome that we have but that just shows me that nobody has a concept of what a million because a million dollars is a ton of money. Yeah, that one hundred percent. I no, I agree with you. You're, you. We were talking about your father, and and my I worked for my uncle, and that's where you and I kind of first ran into each other a long time ago. But uh, I was a carpet layer with my uncle, and, and your dad had an electrician business. Can you imagine your dad going in and giving an estimate on a house to do the electrical work? And it's I don't know. It's it's a, but no. Wait a minute. After you get into it, I'm sorry. I, I, I misfigured that, and it's going to be a plus uh, a whole lot more, uh, another half of a, or whatever that yeah. whatever that figure is. And what's the person going to do? No, yeah. no. That you 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 might do that once, but yeah. your 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 dad's out of business after that. It's not going to work. But when it comes with governments locally or schools, another example. Okay, they're building a new, and this is another Weatherford thing. And I'm sorry, it's just something I'm familiar. with. With and, I live here. So uh, right, yeah. But they were building uh, new concession stands and new locker rooms for like track and field. And all of a sudden, the contractor just quit work on it. 
okay? And in the contract, there were fines, daily fines, if you don't finish this by this time. But the contractor said, well, you can just find me because I can't find employees to work. Sometimes they had one guy working on the roof. So they had to say, well, we're not even going to find we're not even going to hold you to your contract because we need the building done. And yet you're telling me you're not going to you're not going to finish it. We run that into that in the in the federal government, in the Department of Defense a lot. Yeah. People will, you know, because there's requirements to bid and rightfully so. And it needs to be a competitive bid. But some people will obviously go in and underbid it to a point and they get the, the bid, but they're not. They're not equipped to do that sort of thing. So I don't at the end of the day, it's almost like, well, why don't we just take somebody that's a good, solid person, a pack person, a pack company in there that's in the middle, not pick the cheapest right. or the most expensive. Just pick somebody good and solid in there. I think there would be merit to that. Uh, but it happens. It happens far too often. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. So if you see that happen at the local level, then pull a multiplying plying factor of 100 or 1,000 <laughs> when you're talking with the state government and then the federal government. The federal because Abs- it's just absolutely. it's out of control. Absolutely. Yeah. So, is. so Ronnie, bottom line for us: uh, Do you ever see us getting serious and really doing anything about the national debt? No, that sounds really pessimistic. I'm a yeah. super optimistic person, but I'm just not unless there's a, a, a just a sea change of of idea thought uh, on the whole issue. We no. There's too many people. We elect too many people that go up there, and I think they go up with good intentions. I truly 100% do. I believe in the goodness of man and the heart, and I. But it's one of those places up there that it is a scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I need to get this voted in, so I'll vote for yours if you vote for me. It's just the nature of the business. A lot of side deals done. It is the way it is, and I guess it's probably a good thing. Things get hashed out, but at some point they lose focus with the. with what what's real i my grandmother was elsie jones lived over uh, oh, yeah. off of grant street there and she was a seamstress seamstress at lawrence's yeah. you know she made all of i don't know a couple dollars an hour you know she would she'd uh, you know trim make your suit fit for ten dollars you know something like that um worked her i used to put the elsie jones idea to it would my grandmother approve of whatever this we're about to spend money on and then my grandmother would say yeah ronnie go for it I'd go, okay yeah that but Elsie Jones grew up in the Depression, and and uh, so she she did it all, and so she in the Dust Bowl days. And I, it, when you put it to that kind of a test, it, it makes you think about things. Elsie really was, a, was yeah. a wise, wise woman, yeah, great lady, what, absolutely. Well, my fear is the only time we're ever going to think about doing something about it is when it's too late. And I, I'm an optimist, too. I still believe in this country, and I think that we are better. Sometimes all you hear is negative, but uh, uh, but I still believe in the exceptionalism of America. Oh, couldn't and, agree with you more. Yeah, we're and, an incredible nation. I see us possibly going the way of Greece. I mean, it was less than 10 years ago that banks in Greece failed, the whole economy failed, if you went to the ATM, you could not withdraw more than $20 at oh. a time at banks in Greece. And then if you had money in the bank instead of drawing interest, they charged you interest to have money in the bank. And that sounds preposterous. But look at the fees that banks charge for 
everything and anything now. It, and it, it certainly has gone. Yeah, I think I, yeah. the other day I needed a, I needed some cash, and I think I paid four dollars to withdraw from an ATM. <laughs> and, and and remember oh, when ATM? So I remember when Jim McMahon at the Cordell National Bank yeah. put the first ATM in Cordell. They had it before Weatherford or Clinton or anybody else. The first ATM, SCS, and he says. This is going to save us in labor because now when you need cash, we don't have to have an extra teller on hand just for people to come in. It's saving labor. But now what have they done in the last 30 years? Well, we charge you to use the ATM, which <laughs> it's just a computer. Yeah, I, uh, I was paying somewhere the other day uh, on a scanner, you know, like, it, yeah. like they have at Walmart or whatever. And I don't remember where it was, but it, uh, it gave me the option to leave a tip. And I thought, <laughs> well, what am I leaving a tip? Who am I leaving a tip for? Exactly. I know who's helping me. Nobody's helping me. I, I, I'm doing this. So. We're doing it all. Yeah. But yeah, that's a whole other story. I could I could share many other stories. That, Ronnie, fascinating conversation. Thanks for being a part of the show. And it's so good to see you. Oh, again. yeah, absolutely. Good seeing you again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk later and talk more. We need more Cordell people on this Avi- show. Aviation yeah. High School. Yes. That's Parents, thank you for allowing your kids to be in the class and allowing me the honor of teaching them. We have um, 120. That is 120 awesome. kids. Yeah, I have uh, in aviation two. I have uh, uh, 45 returning, and then there's another. Uh, I have 71 all told in my classes, and then Andrew Stone, Coach Stone, is teaching two classes of uh, first year. So we have five classes of aviation, 120 some odd kids. It's an amazing thing, and it is uh, it is the future. So anybody out there wants more <laughs> or answers or how to how colleges and how all that works or the need for college and all that, just please get a hold of me and I'll I'll. I'll I give you all the information I have. All right. Ronnie Fleming, our guest this morning on The Right Time for Western Oklahoma. Tune in every weekday at 6 a.m. for The Right Time with Harold Wright. Brought to you by Priority Home Medical Equipment on 99.3 News Talk KCLI.